Chris Starkey, Dance Dad, Places Please Podcast, Entertainment News, Things That Need to Be Reviewed. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. You know we about to go there. Everything that you need to know, yeah. Places Please the show's here. What's up, everyone? It's Chris Starkey. Welcome to Places Please Podcast. We like to call the PPP. It's the number one hub for information and resources for entertainment fans of all kind in the Rocky Mountain region. Now, if you're looking for auditions, reviews, the latest gossip, and influencers that will change your perspective, they are all right here on the PPP. And here are my co-hosts for the day. This guy calls wings, brewskis, and some roller derby a romantic date. It's Brian Smith. Why do I hate you so much? (laughs) This guy just won an award for his professional bird whistle skills. Okay. <laughs> that was nice. Well, you, last, did, you didn't say my name. I'm, I'm sorry, Clint, uh, Clint Rudolph. I'm sorry, Clint. You're right. Last but not least, this uh, technological genius just beat his own score. It's our own donkey on Donkey Kong, Paul Dwyer. What's up, fellas? It's on like Donkey Kong, just so you know, baby. You sure are hip, Paul. Wow. You're a hip dude. And of course, it's time to add some beauty to this ugly mess around the table. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the owner of Cap City Tavern and Grill, Piper. Piper, what's up? Hi! First of all, Piper, before we get started, thank you and Dino for having us here today. Like, this is fun. Like, normally we sit around my table at my office secluded and just have to stare at each other and smell and that kind of thing like being at your bar and seeing your beautiful face thanks for having us you know how bars have ladies ladies night we're having like a man day over here <laughs> where where are the single ladies at come on down wow. we need to sausage have you not a single one at this table is single but that's okay we uh, we love we can listen to you all day piper piper you come from a very background um we want to talk about it a little bit you know you are an ex-rocket and we have an actual rocket on the PPP right now. Isn't that crazy? That's amazing. That's amazing opportunity. Doing a high kick right now. <laughs> Someday this will be a vlog and you'll be really excited. Yes. I just pulled my muscle to doing a high kick. So. so Piper, please tell us what it's like to be an actual rocket. I feel like being a rocket is as much a part of America as apple pie. And it is just a part of our dance history and our entertainment history and what an awesome thing to be a part of. I still will go back and watch the show and just cry my eyes out. So, Piper, I heard one time that the Rockettes have an actual height. They have to be a certain height to be even qualified to be a Rockette. That's correct. And what most people don't know is there's a too tall. We know there's a too short, right? But um, So the actual Brian height does. requirement <laughs> is uh, between 5'6 and 5'11, although they will squeak in 5'5 five, five and a half, and they'll make a couple exceptions for 5'11 and a half. Wait, don't tell that. Don't tell anyone. Secret. So Piper, uh, so 5'11 is the height, okay. So, and 5'6 is, so when you're doing the performances with all these other dancers, you have to do everything exactly the same. We want to hear a story of you performing. I'm, I'm sure this has happened at least once, maybe twice. What happens when a rocket forgets a movement and you look totally out of place? What happens? Man, that never happens because the rehearsal process is so intense. It's wait, wait, hold on. A second. Are you telling me this has never happened ever? I'm not to, gonna to you. say never. I'm talking about you. I'm not gonna say never. Okay. I'm just gonna say the the program sets the women up with just such a fine process. The kind of detail-oriented notes you get, like you're doing a phrase. I'm gonna do one now. Imagine this at home. So we're doing the phrase, and it's fast, and there's kicking, and they'll say, you know what, your pinky is just a little bit out too far to the side, and we're talking about like half a centimeter. So they're just skilled at detail. And they say, uh, you're only as strong as your weakest dancer on the line. So they really do a good job to make everybody look really exactly the same. That is a exactly motto in life and business and the Rockets. You're only as good as your weakest member. Paul, you're out. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so Piper, oh, so wow, Piper. Also, dear. you were in the movie The Producers yes. with uh, Matthew Broderick, Nathan Lane. How do I not know this? Tell uh, us about that experience of being in The Producers. Just kind of one of the most hysterical moments of my life. Um, we were filming in these shoots for 15, sometimes 20 hours. By the time we got there, hair, makeup, to the end of the day total hilarity. I just remember Susan Stroman, Mel Brooks, and Warren Carlyle walking around with like a little espresso and a, and a bonbon or a sandwich. Just, just so tired, but so joyous doing this work. And 
so they're I, hilarious. I, I know you're protective about this, but and Nathan Lane and, and Matthew Broderick will not hear uh, this podcast. Well, we they, don't they know may, that. We right. don't know they, that. But, but Hi, we're, we're, if you do. Especially if we tag them. That's right. We're, we're going to go for it anyway. Say hey so, to Sarah Jessica. <laughs> so, Piper, tell us, was was Nathan and did you have any interaction with Nathan or Matthew Broderick during the shoot? So much. But my favorite was one night, it was 2 o'clock in the morning. We were shooting that scene where uh, Nathan Lane's character runs and grabs all the checks from the little old ladies. And Susan Stroman was really, really convinced that if anyone dropped a check, Nathan or any of the old ladies that we had to start the scene again. So we were doing the scene over and over and over again, and we all got a little slap happy. Well, the old ladies were played by a mixture of young folks made to look like old ladies, some guys, and some actual little old ladies. To make a long story short, we started telling some jokes to kind of pass the time, and this real little old lady right behind me started speaking filthy jokes. Seriously. I mean, like Piper, who was dropping the checks? Bottom of the bottom of the bucket. I don't know, it was 2 a.m. We were all dropping checks. Um, and Nathan couldn't get it together and it added like another hour to the shoot time, but we were just in shambles. Hysterical. And Susan Stroman obviously is one of the greatest uh, Broadway choreographers of our generation, right? She's incredible. She um, is a tireless human and always joyous. Um, I was one of the few women that were in uh, one of the scenes at the end of the movie, Prisoners of Love, that hadn't yet done the show on Broadway. And so it involves this big, long ball and chain that's hooked around your ankle, and you have to swing it around your partner's head and all around you. And apparently there's a learning curve. I think I whacked my partner, James Brown III. God bless you, James Brown III, if you're listening. I think I smacked him in the head about six times before we got the take, and Mel and Susan just sat there and laughed, and they said, we love when there's a new girl. Oh, this is our favorite part. <laughs> so what about Will Ferrell? Did you have any interaction with Will Ferrell? I didn't. We never crossed in our oh, scenes. Although bummer. I hear, a word on the street is that he's actually in real life a super straight shooter. A straight shooter. like Not what? a funny guy, per se, in real life. He saves it. Really? I say most comedians are pretty boring in real life. That's what they say. Except for you, Chris. Right. So, so, Piper, then after your, your New York and, and you know, film debuts, you packed up and moved to beautiful Denver, Colorado, correct? I sure did. Man, you know, I had a little much tequila when I was here on a tour and stepped on my husband. So, um, <laughs> of course, I didn't know he was my husband at the time, but you that is the real legs, story. So. Speaking of ball and chain. Wait, you actually <laughs> stepped on him? Uh, just graceful to the max. That's me. <laughs> No, I loved New York City. I was there for the better part of a decade. Of course, being in New York means that you leave New York just as much to do contracts. But um, I loved it there. But I always knew I wanted to have a family and didn't really know how it would happen there. So it was kind of fortuitous that I had too much tequila, stepped on my husband, and the rest is history. So why Colorado? Well, it's beautiful. It's clean. It's liberal. It's outdoorsy. And it has this bomb artistic scene that I just couldn't find anywhere else in the country. I hail from many southern states, and though I love it there, I think the only dancing I can do involves a pole. So, not really my brand. (laughs) Same for Paul Dwyer. Now, did it also matter that you could go up to Central City at any time and play poker? Well, now, don't tell all my secrets on the podcast, Mr. Dwyer. By the way, the reason Paul says that Piper has been in Vegas playing on the second day of several tournaments, correct? Uh, not only that, sir, but I've cashed in several bracelet events in the oh, World oh, Series wow. of Poker. That is a applause right there, professional okay. poker player. Amazing to be fair, I don't know another Broadway performer who has. Broadway performer, Show Broadway. me. And she's to Tucker. <laughs> a beautiful child. You know, Piper, um, since you came to Colorado, you have kind of capitalized uh, on the theater scene here. You are very well known as an amazing director, uh, actress, dancer, choreographer, uh, friend to many. Tell us what it's like from a female perspective, how you cope and how you manage a relationship being a, a, an actress. It's a great question. Honestly, it's about different hats. <laughs> I just had an actress who had only worked for me as a um, actress while I was directing or choreographing who then finally we got to do a show together as performers and she looked me square in the eye on day two and said this is a different lady <laughs> and she's right I think you know you have to know what you're doing where what your agenda is where what the goal is what the purpose is 
Uh, I'll say Piper the actress is a lot more fun than Piper the director, but Piper the director. That's not true. You've directed me in a show. You were fantastic. <laughs> Why, thank you, Daddy Warbucks. I remember that one quite yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, the responsibility if you're at the helm of a project is so much more. And I'm not interested in doing mediocre work. I want to do great work because this is what I love. This is my heart. I'm proud of our market. I think we can do great things. And so. Yeah, I think that Piper, Piper is a little bit more of a stickler. Piper, you know, we know you're great, okay? We, we've already referenced that. We want to get back to relationship stuff, okay? So, How dare you? That's right. So so knowing that you ha- you are married to a man that is not in the theater industry and potentially, you know, you being surrounded with other men and we know what theater relationships are all about. Sometimes you have to kiss people on stage. Sometimes you have to put yourself in that romantic mode. Oh, how, peaches. How does a... Uh, a, a woman that looks like you, you're a beautiful woman, of course. Let's, 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 there's a round of applause, right? I'm so glad this is not a TV show so that I don't have to prove this. Yes. Um, it's part of the reason that he is my husband, and that is the truth, because uh, I've had some great relationships in my life, but you're right, it gets sticky. Sometimes we have to fall in love on stage. Sometimes we have to dance in our underpants, right? And that can be very hard. And that <laughs> love on stage, when it's on stage, is very real. It does feel very real. Yeah. Um, luckily, Dino McTaggart, for the one, uh, when he learned about my job, I brought up these things and took him to see. I was doing uh, Monty Python Spam a lot at the time, and I was playing the role of the underwear girl who sashays across the stage in her white skivvies. And I actually heard him in this 3,000 seat audience. I heard him yell, That's my girlfriend! <laughs> and I knew at that moment, he's going to be down for this. He'll be cool. He can obviously he's my understand. Man. <laughs> But yeah, relationships are clutch. And I would say Denver specifically, man, it was hard to break into this market, even coming in with the credits and the background I had because the community is so close. And I love it because I think those relationships show on the stage. Really? Because I didn't really have many issues when I was trying to break in. But uh, I guess. Uh, oh, man. To me, Chris When did you break in? Oh, you're, you're, good, good, good call on that, Brian. Since we're on an entertainment podcast, let us remind us that Chris Starkey's a man. <laughs> It's all very different in the world of entertainment when you're a man. You know, Piper, um, because of what's been going on with COVID, because we want to get down to it right now, you and your husband own this amazing uh, bar called Cap City Tavern and Bar that we're hosting us. And the garage as well. We can't forget about the garage as well. It's called just the garage, correct? The Bannock Street Garage, but affectionately the Garage Bar. We know that, uh, like many industries, you have taken a double hit, not only in the entertainment industry, but also in the restaurant industry. Please tell us how you're coping. Ooh, how are we coping today? It seems to change every 24 hours. Um, life is rough. I'll tell you, in the first 24 hours of this pandemic, I had uh, choreographed a musical for a high school. It was opening night. That show got canceled. I was supposed to perform in Something Rotten at the Arvada Center. That got canceled. I was supposed to assistant direct and choreograph a show at the Denver Center. We're still waiting to hear about that. And to direct Mamma Mia, starring none other than Mr. Clint Rudolph sitting across from me. Um, Breaks my heart. Now that one's postponed to next summer, so see you at Parker Arts. We will be back, That's right. I auditioned. Just another show I didn't get. (laughs) So close. So close. Um, And then our restaurant uh, had to shut down on uh, St. Patrick's Day, and our bar had to actually close down... uh, for the government regulations. So the McTaggart family household was in a state of distress, not to mention our six-year-old got sent home from school, so we were parenting, trying to figure out our business life, homeschooling. Wow. Um, needless to say, we started therapy. Can't think of that as any other way to save a family but therapy. But we're hanging in. Um, I think what you can't do is rest on your laurels. We are recrafting our menu all the time, our hours all the time, who's working just constantly thinking about how do we weather the storm. I think we all thought this would be a couple of weeks, and now we're learning that it could be a much longer time, and so we just got to get through this. Uh, I said to my husband last night, we're not broken. Our businesses aren't broken. The world is a little bit broken. So how do we weather this and survive? And we're just scrapping with everything we got to hang in there. And you know what, Piper? With all that that's going on with you guys, you still have managed, you just told us a little bit earlier, to give away... How many meals is it you've given away to help out people in the community? Thousands, thousands. So we, um, we've been really uh, trying to champion the heroes of this time. So we started First Responder Fridays. 
when we were all at the stay at home, safer at home period of this, where for $10 donations, we could feed first responders at hospitals, uh, postal workers, grocery store workers, those who were not able to stay safe at home. So just kind of been a wonderful chance to support the community. We fed the paramedics, the police officers, everyone around here who takes care of us. And now um, that we're embarking into the world again, we're doing our Essential Worker Wednesday. So if you are a frontliner or an essential worker, then you get 10% off anything that doesn't already have a discount every single Wednesday at Cap City. Hey, you know, Piper, we, we love your place here, and we want to make sure that you stay here. And I know that in this, in this time and in the, the way the world is right now, that's tough. Uh, so, I mean, other than asking people, say, come down, support Cap City, come, come down, get your meal to go if you have to. What, is there anything else that you can think of that we could do to make sure that Cap City is here in two years, three years down the road? Well, I'll tell you, we are doing everything and more that the government suggests to say state, to say tequila, y'all. Hey! We are going above and beyond the measures that are required to stay safe. And we haven't had, knock on wood, one case associated with this restaurant. So you're going to have a blast, but also you can feel safe here. And it's fun. We got bingo every Sunday for brunch, and our brunch is the bomb. We got dollar tacos on Monday. We have a dog-friendly patio. So many people have adopted dogs during this time. So come show off your dog. Bring them to the front patio. You have two patios. We have two. One dog friendly one not so and one's covered if so you don't like having dogs you have another patio you can be at that's exactly right yeah so Piper, can you tell our listeners uh, as a woman that has two different perspectives as far as theater and restaurant business which one do you think is going to bounce back first Ooh, wow good question. That's, good, a, that's a good question that's a great wow paul dwyer asked a great question you guys love you peaches um you know, I think in certain markets, restaurants have already bounced back. And that's the tricky part is that, you know, based on where your restaurant is located, you might have a totally different set of regulations to follow. So that is really vastly affected. We're downtown Denver used to be alive and bustling, and now it is quiet and sleepy. The Golden Triangle is quiet, yes. It's true. But theater, um, will it happen in the same way soon? I don't know, but I think theater's already happening. I'm working on a new show right now at the Arvada Center that we're trying to do for the TYA program, and we're trying to do it outside. I know theaters are trying to recraft with smaller cast sizes and social distancing in the audiences, so... I hope, as, as a member of Actors' Equity, I really hope our union can get behind these alternate solutions, because I think we're finding them already. We just need to open them to these outside markets, to these union performers, so that we can start getting back out there again, but safely and in a smart way. Artists always adapt to changing times. That's what we do. So we'll find a way if you give us permission. And I think we're doing that now. Well said. Wow. Well said. Very nice. And you just did another outside project with your, your kids, that, the huge challenge that you had. Um, talk a little bit about that. Gosh, that was a massive one. So um, I started a conservatory program for high school kids in the South Denver uh, area. And we had decided to do Big Fish this year, which is a huge show with several production numbers. Um, we didn't know how we were going to do it, but I decided to do a concert version because I couldn't think of another way that people could fall in love from six feet apart. <laughs> um, and we wore masks and we were outside. But even in that process, one of the kids in the camp was diagnosed positive with COVID-19, so we had to do a two-week quarantine where I had to put up the entire musical on Zoom, rehearsing 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. on Zoom. We even did our designer run on Zoom, and I have to say, it was a success. So that's kind of an example of where there's a will, there's a way. It still lifted those kids as much as it that's ever That's one of the things that John Eckerberg talked about last week with us, the you know, theater is resilient. Can people access that musical, Piper? Um, there will be a video. It was available to stream for 24 hours, but the window has passed. That is over as, now. One of my favorite my things career. to watch through this thing, though, was your little man doing Peter Pan. That was like, when you posted that, I was watching, I'm like, this is the cutest damn thing I've ever seen. And my hope as a father, as a arts lover, a theater person, supposed to be an actor again this Someone summer. Someone get a violin, wah, wah, please. Wah. But my hope for, for, for generations to come, like Tucker and, and my kids, is that they will not remember this as a negative thing, but they'll remember this as a cool challenge that they learn from that they can take if and when the world gets back to normal. 
Well, I gotta say, we were going to work every day, my husband and I, to try to save our restaurant and bar, and that little guy, that little six-year-old man was with us on the front line every single day in this restaurant doing the thing. So he's kind of, you know, six going on 45 now, but they'll definitely be different because of this. Here's the thing, Piper, you have an amazing family, you have an amazing restaurant, an amazing career, and it's a testament to who you are. That There's a reason why everyone in this community loves you to death. We cannot be more grateful uh, and thankful that you've allowed us to do our podcast right here at the Cap City Grill and Tavern. Please do not go anywhere tonight except this location for dinner. Yeah. Everyone come yeah. out right now, right now, and see Piper because she has it going on. We love you to death, Piper. We thank you for everything you do for us. Piper, can you give everybody your, the address, please? 1247 Bannock Street, 720-931-8888, capcitytavern.com. Oh, my gosh. I want to put her on so my hot. answering machine. I'm going to put her on I my know. And also, wait, tell me can about Can you tell I need a job, guys? Come on. Is it VO now? Is that what we're doing? What are we doing? Wait, tell me about Dollar Tacos, though, real quick. Come on, every Monday. One dollar never got you something better than a taco, y'all. One dollar make you holla. I'm going to tell you one secret. We fry those suckers twice. And that's why they're so delicious. Bam. Twice in the house. It's Piper, Cap City Grill Tavern. Thank you, Piper. Appreciate it. Now to get deep in the real meat of the local Rocky Mountain theater scene, here is our segment called What's the Dish, Darling, with the Gossip Queen herself. It's Sue Leeser. Sue, Yay! what's the dish? I want the applause. I want to hear that applause voice. Okay. Can we ask Sue, were you ever a Rockette? You know what? Do I have to answer that? No. Sue could have been a Rockette. Sure I could. I could have been backstage. Absolutely. You do have pretty legs, Sue. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh Christopher. Oh, yeah, I want to hear that. Don't ask. So, Sue, what's the dish today? Well, the dish, guys. Unfortunately, the person who was going to be with us today is having a root canal. And so we're hoping that that happens next week. That was Robert week. De Niro, right? Uh, no, not. It is probably more fun having a root you. canal than being on our show. Uh, do you all remember Jimmy Ferraro and Dieta Ferraro? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, you know, they moved from Wikiwachi, Florida. <clears throat> Which, why would you move? Why would you move? Yeah, that's right, Cricket. Why would you live in Wikiwachi? Uh, well, I'm not going to go there. Where do they live now, Sue? They live in Hendersonville, North Carolina. North Carolina is oh. a beautiful place. <laughs> Hendersonville, North Carolina. And Jimmy just finished the first script draft for a new musical based on the career of his she was 97 the most fabulous she incredible on broadway okay cool. what's, her, what's her name midgey midgey it's mother her name was eleanor midgey Rowe, and from the age of 16 she owned her own dance studio and she had a, a super career with Judy Garland and Mickey Rooney and Buddy Epson and Roy Bulger. You guys don't even know these names. Do Dean too. Martin, Tommy Dorsey, Bulger. Harry James, Martha Ray, the Three Stooges. And she was part of the big band era. This is going to be a delightful piece that hopefully will be made for television. That's great. So I wanted to tell you that. But... Because we're here at Cap City. And you are What's the Dish, darling. And what, you know what I want in my dish? What's that? Their truffle mac and cheese. The truffle mac and cheese at Cap City Tavern is to die for. Who's pregnant? This is third week in a row. Who's pregnant? She can't tell you. I can't tell you. You still can't tell us? I cannot tell you. Crap, they're going to give birth before you tell us. Actually, yes. That's probably what's going to happen. <laughs> Oh, but now wait a minute, Chris. How about the chocolate desserts? Oh, go for it, Sue. Oh, God. They have a dessert yes. that I'm willing to take off my clothes for. Oh! Mic drop. The best burgers, the best potato tort. Look at he's smiling at me because we've actually he knows. got real quick. We've got the actual other owner of the Cap City Tavern sitting in with us right now. She's Susie's talking about the burgers. What is it about your burgers, Dino? This is the assistant owner because we talked to the boss lady. The, bo so, the big boss lady has already been here. Yes. So tell us what is it about the burger that makes your burger different? 
Uh, we start with a dry aged beef. Uh, it's been aged for 21 days. We put a little bit of, uh, we, we paint them with bacon grease and I put a little bit of salt and pepper. Stop Bacon it. grease is why, because I'm Jewish, why I love it. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and the, ve- the vegetarians can't get enough of my burgers because of the bacon grease. So, so you're telling us it's all about Dino's meat. It is about uh, Dino's excuse meat. Excuse me. <laughs> Boss lady says, cut it off right there. <laughs> We're going to cut off Dino's meat? I say no. Stop. So Dino, we just had Piper on. She told us a little bit about what's going on with the, the Cap City here and the, the the hours. She corrected the hours and made sure we knew what the what the schedule was and what was happening we here. We talked to the intelligent people. We did. We did. I like but let me, let me ask you, if you're sitting down at the Cap City Tavern and you're going to order dinner, what are you going to have? There's a tuna sandwich that I have on my menu. It's a tuna steak. We marinate it in um, miso and sake for two days. And, and the way these come out, we put a, um, an Asian coleslaw on the bun. It comes on a burger bun. And it is possibly the best tuna sandwich you have ever had in your whole life. The truffle grayer mac and cheese is, is literally, it took us two years to figure out that recipe. We tried every mac and cheese in the in the world uh, when we first opened here, and we came across to uh, this this particular uh, recipe and just just fell in love. So, what is it? Is it the Gruyere cheese matched with the truffle oil? Like, what 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 was the hard part we, about finding that? Um, we were looking for a flavor because a lot of times you'll go to a restaurant and you'll see some b- delicious mac and cheese described on the menu, and then you eat it and you're like, oh. There's no, yeah, meh. There, there, there's no punchy cheese. There's no, there's no roundness of flavors where we take um, porcini mushrooms and we reduce them in a red wine. We really create about five different flavors that we kind of pack in into the mac and cheese, and it really makes it for. I feel like Amazing. I'm very educated I know, right I now. I thought I was ordering tuna. Now I'm ordering mac and right. cheese. What am I going to do? What's hysterical? My oldest daughter is a cheese master, and she works at Murray's Cheese. And she, like, she I knows. never knew a damn thing. And she comes over and talks about this all the time. And I go, well, yep. I don't even know what you're... What? It's There's different. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I'm the guy who's like, can I get some craft like, deli cheese slices? Like, I want cheese food. <laughs> so, <laughs> cheese food. We want to make sure Cap City stays... Here, tell me a little bit about Cap City and what it's going to take to make sure that a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, Cap City Tavern is still here for us. We applied for the original PPP loan and we got it from the government, but that had to be spent in three months. It had to be spent primarily on paychecks um, and you could use a little bit for rent and a little bit for utilities. We ran through everything. Don't, don't make that sound so easy. <laughs> it, it's not. <laughs> Even figuring out how to apply for it and get it was a freaking nightmare. It was a nightmare, and it was insane. But we got it. Thank God. We got it, and now that money, three months later, that money's all gone. And now we're still you know, open 30% of the time with 30% capacity. So we still don't have a business model that we can survive So on. based on a mortgage right now, 30% and 30% does not compute to 100%. There's no. just no way. No, it just doesn't make it. So if we want to keep Cap City open, people, we need to get down here. We need help from our government. Yes, so everybody needs to go out and vote the beginning of November. Vote. <laughs> if you vote, then then everything's going to be okay. But you have to vote. But not about the not about the political side. It's about that it's it's about more than support from anything we could do, right? Like, it's not about, like, oh, if we no. could bring 30 people here a day, you still are only at capacity. This exactly. has to be something It has to be something different. different. We, need, we just need to survive through the pandemic, and that's going to mean getting leaner and meaner. It's, it's maybe we don't do uh, waiter service anymore. You have to come up to the bar to order. So, Gino, uh, one question that I actually have two, but first of all, a story that we were actually at a place and uh, this young gentleman was sitting next to us and he was telling us that he was a sushi chef. And he said uh, that this particular bar was a Minnesota Vikings bar. And he said, it's almost as great as the bar I used to work at, which is the biggest Minnesota Vikings bar. And I went, hmm. And he said, Cap City Tavern. So, for you Vikings fans, (laughs) on Sundays, if the season starts, come visit. But anyway, he was saying, um, I was was taught how to cook from the owner of this. And we went, who? And he goes, 
Well, it's Dino Mataggart, and Dino taught me how to do Brussels sprouts. That was our first thing that I taught Mr. Reyes to do. And, yes, and, yeah. that was him. He and I worked together for a good three months. He kind of got me through a hard spot, and, and what a wonderful young man that, that he was. And he had never worked in the kitchen before. So, so he it, only worked for you for three months, and you had that kind of an impact on him? <laughs> he, he described it in ridiculous detail. I'm not kidding. He's like, I kept getting him wrong. I, Dino said that, you know, I didn't crisp him enough, and he was putting too much oil in, and Dino said, you know, the secret is that you have to fry them a little bit before you add the oil and all the rest of, you know, I won't give away all their secrets, but the rest of the secret ingredients for the Brussels sprouts. And I was sat there afterwards talking to Paul saying, how the hell does this kid remember that story in this much detail? When he worked for him for three months, and we're randomly sitting at a bar, like small world, crazy, whatever. But crazy. Obviously, the cool part that I took away from that, I know you as a human in the interactions that we've had with Piper and I doing reunion and when I first met you and coming here. But for people who worked with you for a short amount of time to still talk about that, and, and he talked about why he left and sort of kitchen manager left and took him with him, whatever. Like, for him to carry that with you, how does that feel? Like, that's got to be almost fatherly. Uh, it, it, it makes me proud because uh, I am a lot of times a, as a restaurant owner, you're uh, somebody's first chance at realizing what a boss is or could be. And if I can show them that um, that we're okay and that, that I, because we try to run, run this place like, uh, like a family. So we treat everybody as, as brothers and sisters. It is like a family. It is. It is. And, it, and, not and, like. It is a family. And that's what's been probably the thing that has kept us so um, successful over the 12 years we've been here. So, Dino, you and Piper have Cap City. You also have the garage, which is two blocks south of us. Garage bar right down at 10, bar. 1015 Bannock Street. So we want both of them to stay open. Now, uh, yes. my friend who's sitting beside me here, Matt Daly, and I have been to the garage bar many times. One of the things that we like is a special that you have there that includes a shot, a beer, and a complimentary and a cigarette. complimentary cigarette. Tell me about this. What is it called? It's called the Billy Jack. The Billy yes. Jack. She's 550 now, and yes, it's a giant shot of rot gut whiskey. It is a can of PBR, and the cheapest, nastiest, longest cigarette I can find. Come on, man! <laughs> and yeah, there's nothing better than this. <laughs> it's old school Americana. Yeah, man. <laughs> so Dino, we had a chance to chat with Piper, and sh she was saying, you know, she has her hands in different careers and stuff. And you met here, we believe, in Denver. What were you doing before you got into the restaurant business? In fact, she said, I came to Denver on tour and stepped on my husband and stayed here. That's exactly <laughs> what she did. I've always I been in restaurants. I think I knew what... Were, were you in ice cream at one time? But yes. Um, I, I had a uh, 1920s soda fountain called uh, uh, Dino's Soda Bar down in Wash Park for seven years before I owned this place. And I made all the ice cream myself. Uh, I was the only cook. We did breakfast and lunch, and uh, yeah, it, it was a great learning experience. Dino, we love your place. We love Cap City. We love the garage. We love you and Piper, and we want you to stick around. Uh, and thank you for being on Places, Please with us today. Can you remind everybody the address, please? This is 1247 Bannock Street, right across from the Denver Art Museum, right downtown. Thanks, Dino. We appreciate it. We can't tell you how how honored we are that we could be here today and we hope that you know our little piece of helping bring knowledge to getting people here helps but to your point it's got to be bigger hopefully we can all figure that out and uh thank you this place is amazing it is not it is a great sports bar but it's not a typical sports bar the food is incredible it's like your mom's cooking for That's you right. it's Cap amazing City Tavern, everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll be right back right after this break. All right, it's time for Influencer of the Week. Brian, what do you got? Hey, you know what? Today we got a very special guest. We're kind of getting out of the theater industry a little bit this week, and we're going into the music side of things. Our guest today is the drummer for one of the hottest bands in the country. His name is Brian Nevin, and the band is Big Head Todd and the Monsters. Hey, Brian, how are you? Yeah, I'm well. Welcome to Places, Please, Brian. Hey, listen, guys, it's an honor to be a part of this. And if it, if it gives me any cred, I did do some theater in high school, 
And I really do think what I do as a drummer, it's theater. Believe me. Oh, I totally agree. Totally agree, Brian. So here's a couple of quick questions for you, Brian, and I want some expansion on it. The original cast of Big Head Todd and the Monsters was Todd Parkmore, of course, Rob Squires, and yourself. How long have just the three of you been performing together as a band? Uh, The three of us have been performing 30, I think it's 37 years this year, believe wow. it or not. That's fantastic. And that, and that adds the big Todd and the Monsters band. We actually all met, the three of us met in high school and we played in the band in high school together. So yeah, I, we go I, way I know back. that because I actually auditioned or tried to be in the band. I made it through two rehearsals and then was let go by the band. <laughs> wait a second, I thought you quit. You thought I, wait, 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 did you just say you thought I quit? I thought you quit. Let's go with that. You know what? Let's definitely you go with that. Go. So the original name, though, was not Big Head Todd and the Monsters. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was the wasn't the what, well? You tell me. What was the original name of the band? Yes, uh, we had we were in a band called TJ and the Twist back in the early days, uh, and that's back when we were in high school together. You know, I don't and know back- if you remember this, Brian. Um, when you were TJ and the Twist, not only did did. Uh, did we know of you? We brought you up, uh, Steve Roger and I, a good friend of mine, Steve Roger, we yeah. brought you yeah. up to University of Northern Colorado to play the Harrison Hall Beach Party, and you guys yeah. rocked the joint. Yeah, it, it catapulted us nationally. <laughs> that was what started it, right? That's what started it, right? <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. So Todd only played saxophone back then, though, right? You're right. When we started, Todd played sax and sang. We had a guitar player. I played drums. Rob played bass. That's right. Wow. So, you know, it's been, a, it's been kind of a crazy last six months. Tell us a little bit how, about how it's affected Big Head Todd and the Monsters, Brian. Well, uh, we're, we're home like everybody else. Um, it really, it's a big deal for our industry because we don't see a, a true concert season until next summer, maybe, which is a lot of time not working. And we've been offered some shows, um, but because of the the limitations and of course we're concerned about the whole situation and we don't necessarily want to be what attracts people to a festival um right now it's just you know it's just one of these times we're all going to have to kind of hunker down and help out each other yeah i know i've seen todd doing a lot of uh you know things on on facebook and little online concerts and things like that um, yeah. And as I appreciate all you guys doing what you're doing. It's tough. Did you guys have a schedule set? I mean, did, did your was your tool schedule all set for 2021? Well, we we do it kind of a traditional tour in the winter. So uh, for us, it worked out in the sense that we did, we did get to travel all this winter and perform. So when when the lockdown happened, we were kind of in our break period, which is nice. But summer's always big festival time. None of those this year, and we we will go back out if it's uh, meant to be yeah. next winter. If not, we'll, we'll do what everybody else is doing and just uh, try and stay healthy and, and uh, pray for a cure. Yeah. You know what? That's, that's exactly right. I, I, I love that you guys are still putting out music. I saw your, uh, your new video. It ain't serious, by the way, if you see it, it's on, <laughs> I saw it on YouTube. Great yeah. new song, by the way, the video is fantastic, you. Brian. It looks like you guys filmed it up in the mountains. And uh, I mean, it was hilarious because you guys, you had your drum set up there in the middle of the hills and yeah. just rocking it out. Oh yeah. Well, that was, that was for, filmed during this quarantine. So uh, the filmmaker came to each of our houses and did us individually. So we figured it was a good taste of Colorado. You get to see uh, all of our backyards. So wait a minute, you guys each did each of your parts individually at your own houses. Yeah. So if I'm a neighbor of Brian Nevin and yeah. at what, two o'clock in the afternoon, Brian has set up his drums on the hill behind his house and just starts right. banging away at him, right? That's right. That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, so so I only get a couple takes before they start yelling at me. So that's with the with the drummer, you know, you gotta you gotta make it work quick. You gotta that's, nail it fast. That's great, Brian. I you know I've watched. I've obviously seen you guys many many times. The way you drum is is very cool, very awesome, very fun. You're very you have a very different style. The um, yeah. it's absolutely inherently your own. Did you have yeah. somebody that you kind of modeled your 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 drum skills, or was there somebody that you followed that were like, man, that's how I want to play? You know, uh, great question, and for this podcast in particular, because I've always loved drummers, and I play like, musically, I want to play like a drummer, but there's a visual component to drumming, and it really hit me the first time I saw uh, the Blue Man Group, actually, off-Broadway in oh, New yeah. York City. Oh, yeah. And I, I remember seeing that show and thinking, the visual component of what I do is the theater, and it so, can be so dramatic. Absolutely. That... 
I kind of moved to this open approach that you're seeing now with my drumming, where I have this kit set wide open. You can see the drummer and things are set high and low. So there has to be a lot of movement. Well, and you do it, you do it very well. By the way, Paul Dwyer was an original member of the Blue Man Group on our uh, on our podcast here today. So I do have a question for you, Brian. Is Todd's yeah. head really that big? Ah, no, not at all. Okay. Uh, it's normal size. <laughs> That was that. You know, the name of the band is the tip, uh, tip of the hat to the blues guys who used to be always given nicknames by, you know, usually an ailment. You know, one, one-eyed Joe, Cleanhead Vincent. You oh, know, that's cool. I did not Big know Thumbs that. Johnson. You know, so we jokingly, because we were playing a lot of blues in the early days, gave Todd a blues name, Big Head Todd. Very good. Love that. You know, Brian, this is Chris. Um, Brian Smith referenced uh, influences. And I just have a quick question for you. So here are some famous drummers that I'm assuming you know, Buddy Rich. Um, Ringo Starr and Dave Grohl. You know them all, correct? I do. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah. One of them you will take lessons from, one of them you just want to watch and play, and one of them uh, you want to play on their drum kit. So, Buddy Rich, which is it? Whoa. Lessons, watch, play, or play on your drum kit? What if we make one of oh. the categories who he'd want to replace? Oh, okay. All right. Let's keep it. <laughs> Instead of playing on your drum kit, let's leave uh, you want to replace. Let's leave that. So, we have Lessons, Watch, Play, and You Want to Replace. We have Buddy Rich, uh, Ringo Starr, and Dave Grohl. What do you think? Lessons. Oh, Who's Lessons I, first? Lesson. Um, uh, uh, lesson would be Dave Grohl. And why is that? Um, he, because... he obviously think he's the best out of the three, right? He's a rock god, and I just want to hang out with him. All right, good. good That's good, how good. I feel about you, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> and how about you just want to watch them play? Watch them play Buddy Rich. Buddy truth Rich. of the matter is, truth of the matter is, I love a lesson from Buddy Rich, but Buddy Rich had such a notorious reputation of being such a difficult character. Oh, really? And kind of a tough guy that I don't think I want that lesson. That's why I said, I want to hang with Dave Grohl. <laughs> but I want to watch Buddy Rich play, and I want a good seat. So that means you want to replace Ringo Starr. Damn right. Who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the royalties on that kid? Right. Damn Skippy. On. Damn Skippy. Uh, Brian, at what, point, at what point did you realize that, okay, Brian Nevin, I'm going to be a drummer. This is what I'm going to do for my life. Um, yeah. Um, that's, a, that's another really good question because there was a long period of us working that I, I thought I was going to do something else, and this was just the thing we started together as buddies that kind of, excelled um i mean you guys traveled the country and i mean seriously like it's the it's the stereotype you guys were traveling the country in like vw minibuses almost right yeah we had an old 78 plymouth that's sitting in my on my property up here if anybody wants a piece of junk uh, with the story (laughs) um it's all yours um but it's you know what we could afford as college kids kind of scrounging our money together drove us around the country for a long time and uh we're fortunate to get a record deal in uh 92 and things kind of exploded but um anyways you know i, I forget the question I, that's I, okay you, you, you basically covered it very well okay um, go and, on. And the other thing is you know i grew up knowing you and your family uh did, how did your family at the time accept okay my son you know god bless you know, yeah. your family fred and did, yeah yeah. How, did, yeah you know my folks yeah absolutely <laughs> did how'd they feel about okay my son's gonna be a drummer i yeah you know what? They they liked the drumming because it gave me something to do and it kept me from banging on the furniture. Um, they The noise, you know, they dealt. But as a career, when I told them, you know, we're going to take a semester off of college to drive around in an old van in my band, Big Head Todd and the Monsters, you know, that required a conversation. And <laughs> I can they imagine. Were, they were supportive, but they also made me promise that, well, if this doesn't work out, I'll go back and finish up that degree. Brian, I have a question. Um, a lot of our background is in theater arts, and obviously, just like doing concerts and stuff, nobody can go do live theater performances. And there's a part of, as an actor, you feel like a part of who you are has been taken away from you, and you can't really ex- express who you are from your heart. Do you feel that same way as a musician right now, that you yeah. know, you, 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 you just are kind of stagnant? Yeah, yeah. No, another great question. You guys, it's really good to talk to uh, people who perform and an artist because um, that goes through your mind. You know, I will say for me, time off is just as valuable. And um, I got, like I said, the good fortune for us is we toured all of December, January, February. So when the lockdown hit, we were kind of in our break period. And I like to get away from performing in the drum kit at that point. 
I find if I take some time away, my head's different, I come back with a different approach and a, and a fresh approach. Now, a lot of what we do, because we're, music, you know, we're playing a lot of the same material every night on the performance. So getting away from it's kind of like if you were acting the same play a lot. Sometimes getting away lets you come back in fresh and you find some new things happen. So I'm still in that stage. In another month or two, I'm going to be itching to get out there and perform. So going on that on the answer right there that you just gave, yeah. what's the song that you never want to have to play again on stage? Every time it comes up in the set list, you're like, oh, geez, do we have to do this one? Right. Um, you know, I purposely choose not to uh, judge like that. I, I, I know it's a lame answer, but it's, it's what allows me to do the same songs a lot. My job, I, I look at my job as I'm, you know, a guy putting a cog in the wheel. I'm not the question, the bigger question, what song? I just, my job is to make that song as great as it can be. And that's a great answer. And I think Very that's political the headspace. <laughs> that, that headspace is the headspace that not allows, allows me to enjoy it, but also I think allows some, uh, you know, all of us to not get caught in the, boy, this sucks, we're doing this again, yeah. you know? Because yeah. you can easily go there. So but, then uh, going to the next question, is there one song that you would love to play that you haven't gotten to play? Hmm. You know, most of the songs I'd love to play are the songs that, that on our records that we don't play much, to be honest, because I'd love to readdress them, and I find them sometimes the most challenging because they involve my own you know, place in life back then versus now. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Brian, this is Clint Rudolph, and, and one of the things that's so cool about uh, being a musician and an actor, I, I played in rock bands and, and also uh, was an actor, the similarities of being on the road are pretty pretty uh, similar. When I was on the road, it was uh, before cell phones, and I remember going through a you know 27-week tour or something, and you'd have to pick up the newspaper in the hotel yeah. to figure out what freaking city you're in, because it just all mm -hmm. runs together. It's, it's, sure. it's both a love-hate relationship with being on the road. So yeah. tell me your, your least favorite thing about being out on the road. And then tell me your favorite thing about being out on the road. Right. Uh, these days, my least favorite thing is I actually have a partner and a house and a life I love here. And I love Colorado. You know, I will say the upside of this quarantine time, it's the first time I've gotten the full summer in Colorado and up in the mountains. And it's just the best place on earth, in my opinion. So, you know, that lifestyle stuff, when you get older, isn't as fun. Um, the best part of being on the road is I can bury myself and being that creative person, that drummer, you know, my whole schedule is based around the performance and kind of you enter this bubble and it's a great bubble. So I'll miss the bubble, but I'll enjoy the domestic life. Yeah, totally. Hey, good. Hey, hey, Brian, this is Chris again. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm, I, I've experienced this many times. I'm not sure many other people have, but the groupies. Let's talk about the groupies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's talk about the groupies. Yeah, real, real quick. So, you know, from one... From one, do you have a lot of cousins, Brian? <laughs> like Chris? <laughs> For, from one rock god to another, wow. uh, Brian. Tell, tell me your best groupie story, please. Oh gosh. Um, well, I'll just tell you this. I've been fortunate enough to have a few rock and roll experiences, and I'm glad I survived. And all's well, and there's no no carnage as a result. And I'm glad I'm at this stage of life. And um, you know, the groupie experience has more to do with just talking about how great the band is. What's the most bizarre thing that's ever happened to Big Head Todd and the Monsters live on stage? The oddest thing that happened on stage is we were out on tour with the, uh, a band called the Bare Naked Lady. And I've never heard of them before. Our set, yeah, who are they? Yeah. <laughs> band from up in Canada. But in the middle of our set, uh, or actually, um, Ed, the singer, joined us. Uh, we did a cover of, you remember that song, uh, um, um, I'm sexy and I know it. Yeah, yeah of it, course. It's actually, it's actually online. You can YouTube Biggest on the Monsters, Bare Naked Ladies. I think we were up in Maine. Uh, sexy and I know it. Um, somebody filmed it. And Ed joined us for that and decided to do a striptease in which he, he exposed to me his manhood. <laughs> and, um, oh, my. I will say. His drumstick? Um, I, I'm impressed. Those Canadians, they're uh, they are manly. So 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 naked men was your big groupie story. <laughs> no, that was the most that was the most shocking thing on stage story. That's okay, crazy. all right, we love it, we love it. If 14 year old Brian Nevin ran into 50 something year old Brian Nevin, 
What advice would 50-something-year-old Brian Nevin give to young Brian? <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, you know, as far as the performance, believe in what you do and um, have confidence in, your, in being original. Meaning when you're young, you know, it's easy to think, uh, but that's not really okay and I got to kind of fit a mold. No, stick with that original, naive passion. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Hey, um, tell me a little bit about uh, the songwriting process for you guys, just real, real briefly here. Does Todd do all the writing, or do you guys make it some sort of a collaboration? Is there input from all of you? How does that work? Uh, yeah, for us, Todd writes all the time. So he writes. We get together as a band. We hash through ideas, and what comes out the other end sounding interesting makes it, you know. And that's just that's us. Not every band's that way. Todd likes to write by himself and then use us kind of as a sounding board. You're also an actor known for Last Summer on Earth in 2012. What the hell is that? Well, I don't know about the actor part, although a reference earlier in our conversation, I do think I'm an actor. Um, but uh, the last time I heard... <laughs> The last summer on Earth tour was the one we did with the Bare Naked Ladies. It was just the name of the tour. Um, oh, so you, a, you never really acted in a movie? Because according to the web, you yeah. have. You're a movie star. No, it's a movie. They made a movie of it. I, I was a huge Bare Naked Ladies fan, and that movie is oh. the, it's sort of a video of the tour. It was, there you go. There you go. Hey, well, right. then, then I... We have a movie star on the line. All right. Well, there you go. Then I'm... I, I'll have to call the union. I, I also should get some actors. Please. Exactly. You need some credit for that. Is, uh, so, Brian, talking about collaborations, last one here. What's your favorite collaboration you guys have ever done? Oh, my gosh. Well, of course, doing Boom Boom with John Lee Hooker. Yeah, that's um, awesome. That, that's been used. How many movies has that song been in? Yeah, a lot. And it's the theme song to a TV show right now, which is it's really nice. But um, that was just such an honor because he's, he's, he's a legend and he was in – it was just nice that he appreciated our version of his song and agreed to do it with us. Just real quick, what TV show is that on? Um, you know, they're using it as a theme song for the NCIS New Orleans show. Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah, but, well, Brian, but it I, has... Go ahead, it's, go it's, ahead. It's pretty popular in the movies, and, and ESPN likes it. You know, the Boom Boom thing goes well with... Uh, with hockey. Yeah, it's you know. a great tune. It's a great tune. All right, man, I really, really appreciate your time today. We bumped you back great. several time slots from what we thought we were going to do, but thank you for coming on with us and telling us about Big Head Todd the Monsters. I'm a big fan, always have been. I will see you again very, very soon, my friend. Uh, thanks for being on the podcast with us. Yeah! yeah. yeah. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much. And don't forget to visit us at where, Clint? You can find us at our website, anchor.fm forward slash places, please. And if you have something you want to talk about on the PPP, please reach us because we'd love to talk to you. Um, We are also available to come and coach or do on-site satellite at your venue. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next week at the PPP. Starkey, dance dad, places please, podcast, entertainment news, things that need to be reviewed, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, you know we about to go there, everything that you need to know, yeah, places please, the show's here.